welcome to the Noob Spare Podcast. My name is Shrek, the host of the sucker, interviewing spearfishing experts, authorities, and characters from around the world. Today it's Sam Wild, South Sea Spiro's nut. He's the founder of Mahi Spearfishing NZ. Uh, he's a genuinely cool, down to earth bloke, and we've kind of been circling each other for a long, long time. It was the first time I really got to sit down and have a decent chat with him. Such a cool dude, uh, an avid hunter above and below the water, and just. Yeah, he just really gets that Kiwi lifestyle vibe. And um, let's just say I uh, I dig up a few not-so-well-known things about him from his past. We have some good fun having a chat in this interview. Um, follow Sam in the wild underscore on um, Instagram. He's, he's a really cool guy. Have a look at some of his photography. It's absolutely banging. Uh, before we get into this interview with Sam, I've got a couple of quick shout-outs. Right now, the focus... And the Noob Spiro HQ is 99 Spiro Recipes. Um, go and get yourself a copy or two or three. If you buy one copy, it's 50 Australian dollars. Two, it's $90. Three, it's 120 So you can get a discount. And if you're giving fish to your family and friends, it's a really good gift because you're teaching them how to make the most of um, your catch and stuff like that. So thoroughly um, encourage that. We've also got Mother's Day around the corner. Um, so get into it, get a mark, so get yourself a copy of 99 Spear Recipes from noobspear.com or a fantastic spearfishing retailer near you, and I'll go into them in just a real quick minute. Um, I've got a cool comp starting. Um, if you have got a Noob Spiro bit of merch, like a hat or a Spiro Dad shirt or a Jobfish tribute shirt or a Rancid Pelican number or a sticker or something, I'd love to see some photos of the community in our gear. And uh, for the month of April and May 2023, if you can um, tag us on Instagram or Facebook um, with your with a photo of you in the gear, um, you could win some more gear. You're going to get a signed copy of 99 Spare Recipes and potentially another free T-shirt of your choice. So jump on there, get amongst it. It's, all you got to do is tag Noob Sparrow with your bit of Noob Sparrow kit on and uh, and you can win some more gear. Um, thanks also to everyone else that's gone to NoobSparrow.com, jumped up in the store and bought something. Um, it lets us know what to make more of and uh, there's going to be some more stuff happening in this new year, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, spearfishing retailers stocking 99 Spare Recipes. Got Spearfishing Superstore in Cairns, Spare West in Perth, Boss Outdoors, uh, Marimbula, and their other store uh, has also got it, I believe. Fergo's Tackle World in Wollongong, Batavia Coast Dive and Water Sports, Adreno Aspley in Brisbane North, Adreno Wollongabba in Brisbane South, Adreno Gold Coast, Adreno Melbourne, Adreno Sydney, Adreno Perth, Typer Tackle in Northland, New Zealand, I've got it. Neptune Spear and Diver Mackay, I've got it. East to West Freediving in British Columbia, I've got it. Spear, Spearfishing UK and Cornwall UK, I've got it. Giataku by Derek in Perth has it. Thwaites Marine in Coffs Harbour, I've got it. Exmouth Tackle and Camping Supplies, I've got it. Steve's got them there. Sky Spearfishing in Scotland. Um, talk to Aaron, he's got some. Barbecues and more in Browns Plains have also got it. And uh, the stores continue to sort of stack up and come on board. And it's in large part to you guys who are spreading the message, taking a copy of the book in and showing some of these stores owners what a cool um 
what a cool thing that we've made, our community have, have made. Um, last but not least, patron legends powering this podcast. There's 45 of them um, supporting the show on an episode-by-episode episode basis. If you want to join them, you love the show, go to patreon.com forward slash noobspiro, sign up on an episode-by-episode episode basis. It could be as simple as $2 an episode, but it all makes a difference and puts fuel on the outboard. There's never any obligation to stay on there, but absolutely love the people that invest in this podcast and thing we're doing. You know, hey, Sam Wild today. Um, we get right into distilling the Great White experience. And as I said, I dig up some uh, some not so well known things about him from his past for the for the most part. Hey, let's get into it. Sam Wild is one. Adreno stocks equipment for Nubas. The gear you need for all things freediving and spearfishing. The Adreno spearfishing team froth on helping customers learn about the latest in spearfishing equipment, local diving, upcoming trips and events for Spiros of all levels of experience. There's no ego in there. You're going to meet cool people that love this spearing lifestyle as much as you do. Visit them in store in one of their huge mega stores around Australia. Chat to one of their friendly team members. Take advantage of the Noob Spiro discount code. Save $20 on every purchase over $200 in store, online, easy savings. Pump in the code Noob Spiro if you're shopping online or in-store, mention it's one of their friendly team members and save 20 bucks over 200 That's right, use the code NoobSpiro in-store. Shop with Adreno, our partner for more than 200 episodes. I was left with an empty cooler after missing and wounding a bunch of fish with a shoddy spear gun. A work colleague urged me to speak to Naptonics, and I'm so glad I did. Without Jerry and the Naptonics team, I would have kept missing bulk fish and coming home to my wife empty-handed. Now I can focus on slaying monster hogs and groper and covering the deck of my boat in blood. Never buy a shitty piece of equipment again. Shop Neptonics.com, use the code NOOB10 to save 10% and go spearing with confidence. Jerry says, if we sell it, we believe in it, we trust it and dive it. Shop Neptonics.com, free shipping for the lower 48 for orders over $199 and you can save 10% when you use the code NOOB10, N-O-O-B, one zero at neptonics.com. Hoorah! Uh, g'day, Noob Spirit community. I've got Sam Wild. We've, uh, we've sort of sprung together this wild interview with, uh, with very little notice, but he is a wild man. He's Sam Wild, actually. Um, Sam, mate, I've been following your adventures for years and years, bro, and you're like at least 10 years younger than I am. I feel like I've followed you forever, man. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, man. I think we've been... Um Playing cat and mouse for the last wee while trying to get this interview together, but finally, yeah. years later, we've uh, made it happen. <laughs> Mate, in the meantime, like, uh, all you've done is continue to produce more and more amazing stuff. Like, I remember way back in the day, this is probably way back in the day for you, considering how much ground's gone between now and then, but there was this lobster vid that you had, I think it was down in Fiordland, and it was this huge lobster that you guys spent a fair amount of time setting up for to create this really cool shot when you went down to finally grab it. Um, tell me, tell us about that. Share us that, and I'd really love if I could have that photo for the show notes if I could, so people can sign it, kind of get what I'm talking about. But it was amazing. Like it's obviously an amazing location. But please talk to me about how that sort of eventuated. I think I know what you're talking about. Is that there's a video of mm. um, dropping yeah. down and picking up, and the, and the light was beautiful. Um, yeah, so for those who who don't know, uh, we have an area here in New Zealand called Fjordland. And it is just the wild west, so hard to get to. And it's really well known for its large crayfish. So, yeah, we call all our lobsters over here crazed. 
Um, and yeah, just found this beautiful buck. I was there with my mate, Matt Bertram, and uh, it wasn't long into sort of stepping in with a big proper camera setup and just keen to film everything. So I dropped down to about sort of 16 metres and told Matt that I'd give him the wave to come down, and he definitely took his sweet time coming down. But <laughs> looking at him, like, hurry up, mate, come on. Anyway, he drops down and he does this beautiful grab on this massive buck crayfish, and it just kicks up all the sand. The viz was just beautiful. The light yeah. just kind of lit up all the sand, and he had a good scrap on the way up to the surface when I was burning for oxygen. But yeah, no, that was and still to this day, man, it's probably one of my favorite favorite clips. Yeah, yeah. me too, me too. That thing made me froth for for months, I, I, and it was one of those ones that I would revisit because it. It captured that whole feeling you get when you when you grab a good lobster, and they're not always that easy. Like that one was from memory, like a little bit out in the open, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was kind of like just sitting out under this, well, nice and staunch out the front of this boulder, but it had a bit a bit of a, a bit of room to play out mm. behind it. But I I still get it then, like that that sort of nervous feeling when you spot a big crayfish, and yeah. you know that if you if you grab it wrong, it's going to hurt. And yeah, uh, yeah no, that's um. Yeah, good clip. I really like that one. Oh, 100%. Oh, it made me think too about delayed gratification. You know, like they ran all these tests back in the days on kids and they did these longevity studies. And basically, like, this, sorry, this is how my brain works. It's a little bit different. But um, they they studied these kids when they were young and then 30 years later they had a look at it again and they, they determined that the one factor critical to kind of, you know, these kids having their own version of success in their, their lives was delayed gratification. And the way you went about piecing that shot together and doing everything. Sometimes it seems with photography, it's all about delayed gratification because often you're not in the action yourself. So you're putting yourself second and then you're really trying to make the other person look cool at the expense of just enjoying what's in front of you yourself. Is that something that you can relate to? Absolutely. Absolutely. With I'm so fortunate enough uh, to have the opportunity to do quite a bit of underwater filming here in New Zealand. Um, and uh, yeah, and so I can I can I can fully relate to that for mm. sure. It's um, as it's also tough as a Spiro doing the underwater camera work as well because there's always that internal battle of, oh man, I'd almost be rather shooting that <laughs> with a spear gun rather than with a camera. But it's um, there's it, such a satisfying feeling being being able to come home and sort of just relive the magic of. Of, of that day. I mean, it definitely does. It can take away an element of, of what is in front of you, but just the kind of the, uh, the reward of just, yeah, being able to showcase what I've seen, what we've, what we've encountered, um, how well old mate did on shooting that fish or the crayfish that he got and stuff like that. And being able to show people who don't necessarily get to see that it's yeah, it's a really rewarding experience. Man, I'm going to ask you all about South Sea Sparrows in a bit. Um, I was going to say one thing that was handy for me with my, just mucking around with the camera and doing some third-person sh- stuff was like counting down those last five breaths together. That way you get your timing synced up because like having a decent period of relaxation and a, and a breathe-up matters. You know, often the cameraman, if you're doing a, a minute 20 dive or whatever, the cameraman, the poor old cameraman's doing, or the camera person, sorry, we'll, we'll, we'll make it correct. Uh, <laughs> they, they might do like 20, 30 seconds more than you, you know. So is that how you guys sync up shots sometimes, or I mean, does how do you how do you do it? Sometimes, I'd love for that to be the case. <laughs> Quite often, 
doesn't quite often work as easy as that. Oh, I wish it did. I wish it did. No, I'm, I'm, I'm super fortunate to dive with some very, very talented divers. Mm. And that adds a real challenging element to, to what I do. Um, it's, yeah, we definitely do try and sync up as best we can. Normally, it's sort of everybody's got their own routine of breathing up. Um, and I try not to intrude on that because um, at the end of the day, if we don't shoot that fish, we've got nothing to film anyway. And the diver needs to be able to dive to the best of their abilities. And quite often, I will just work around that diver. We'll try it on quite often get a bit of a thumbs up um, in terms of acknowledgement on, on when I'm ready and, and when they're ready. But even when I'm ready, I, w- <laughs> I still wouldn't be able to keep up with some of these boys that, oh, yeah. uh, that, that, that I film. But um but yeah, it, it, having having the camera in hand is uh, is very very different to my, the diving that I would do with a, with a spear gun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot harder to relax. I find you know even before you're sort of breaking the surface, you're trying to capture the whole story, um, and so that that's it's all the way through your footage. So you're trying to capture the the diver diving down mm-hmm. um, and uh, gripping the camera, and trying to keep things steady. It's a, a, a like move, sitting in a in the ocean, a moving substrate with a camera that can be moving in itself. Filming something that's moving in us, I find that um, just locking up and being tense on the camera is probably the one of the biggest challenges that I have in terms of being relaxed and holding my breath. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. But when yeah, depending on who who I'm diving with, I can sometimes get away with trying to with with keeping up and staying down for an extra thirty seconds. But some of these boys are phenomenal. Oh yeah, well you're driving with like Julian Hansford and Dwayne Herbert and. You know, all of the guys that I've seen you dive with are all friggin' weapons. Like they can compete at an international level. They're um they're commercial divers too on their day to day jobs. So, and they and they're all born in the water. You know, like with they might as well be mermen. Half of these blokes. Yeah. Um, yep. So yep. That, that, but, you, but you wouldn't know it honestly, man. Like they just yeah. the average. Yeah, down to earth blokes. They, they they love a beer. They yeah, good value. They're really good mates of mine. Eh? And but you're absolutely right. They. Uh, very talented divers. We might revisit um, photography, cinematography. I wanted to chat about with you about. Um, I heard you maybe grew up um, in an alternative community. No, but like for me, like it's interesting learning the stuff that not a lot of other people know about someone. Sometimes, uh, I mean, if you want to talk about this, please just just tell us about it and and how it shaped you as a person because you're really. You're a really interesting guy, and I'm, I'm sure that this played a big part of it. <laughs> Have you seen that dude on 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 social media called Nardwa, who's who, who goes and interviews all these people, and he just does the most outrageous research, and, he, <laughs> <laughs> and all of these like crazy like famous people are just left absolutely speechless with these things that he asks them. No, I haven't, but I'm going to take. That comes to mind, bro. I'll send you a link. I love it. Yeah, so I grew up in a place called Mapua, which is a little village out of Nelson in the top of the south. I was, um, bo- I was born in Nelson, just as a as a little bit of a point. Stoke, oh, were you? Nelson, yep, yep. Oh, you, you must know Mapua then. Yeah, Mapua Peninsula, isn't it? Yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. 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 No, so um, so I grew up there, and my grandparents um founded a nudist camp. Wow. In Mapua, so yeah, it's been many a year. Yeah, maybe thinking back, it might have been a bit of child abuse. Actually, thinking back to it, <laughs> <laughs> we were cruising around in the nude. You know, it just wasn't even a big thing back then. Thinking back now, 
yeah, no, nah, it's just there. It's a, yeah, it's a cool place to grow up. You just didn't really care about that sort of stuff. Yeah. But um, coastal town, always super invested with the ocean, but um, yeah, very sort of colourful upbringing. But none of my family were divers or anything like that. I didn't really sort of pick it up until until later in life. But uh, yeah, oh, my poor nudist camp. <laughs> wow. And what are they like? Kind of like hippie nudists, or is it like you know, like like is it like new age type? Sort of stuff, or is it? Are they just like living off the land, or any of that sort of stuff, or just notice? Nah, it wasn't really. It's it's all sold up now. Even the, the times have sort of changed oh. a little bit. It definitely isn't sort of new age nudicism. What are we called? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But um, it was almost like there was somebody at the gate that had it was checking people's IDs. Oh. And if you were oh, if you were under the age of 50, you had to keep your clothes on. <laughs> <It was> just... <laughs> Isn't that yeah. how every notice thing feels like? Pretty much, man. Oh. You'd expect to rock up and hope for the good stuff, but it wasn't quite the case. She's right. No, it's, a, it's a cool community. It's one of those, like, everybody sort of turned up there from all over the world and all over New Zealand every summer. Um, winter wasn't really the season for of the nudist. Um, for obvious reasons, <laughs> so I, it was quite cool, man. I had all my old, my old mates and stuff would turn up every year, and yeah, no, it was pretty neat. Mm. Do you think New Zealand is like, uh, you know, like people talk about tall poppy syndrome? I'm sorry, we're going off the sparing route here for a sec, but you know, like there's a there's mass, massive cultural pressure on people in New Zealand to conform to this ideal, and I don't know if you experienced that growing up, but I definitely felt that at high school, like. There's very much a tall poppy syndrome and for, tall poppy for people that are not familiar with it. It's like if you stand up or stand out, like people will bring you back down. So we're all this sort of this comfortable thing in the middle. What do you think about that? And growing up in that community, was that easy to observe? Not necessarily in that community, but I I, I fully think that well, tall poppy syndrome is rife throughout, definitely throughout New Zealand. Um it, it's, it's kind of it's definitely sort of brings it more back into the spearfishing sense and the world of social media and of for me getting into what I started doing it was all basically to showcase what I fell in love with which was underwater I come from a non-diving family and I wanted to show my family just this thing I was obsessed about but of course their content ended up on, on public platforms um, and yeah man like, it's just been there's been challenges all the way through where exactly that man if anybody sees you standing tall and doing well it is very easy and there are very readily available platforms for people to sit sit there and hack you down um it's tough and especially when we're looking at a sport like spearfishing where it's literally just an individual sport people go out and you shoot fish you celebrate that Still enough, it's it's still enough for for people to stand up and and give you shit, and, and, and which it, it, should, it, should, it shouldn't be a thing, but it's just something that's so prominent yeah. here in New Zealand. And yeah. I, I founded a, a Facebook page. Yeah, um, NZ Spiro community or NZ yeah, Spiro NZ's, forum back in the day, wasn't it? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, and that was that's a it's a it was a, it's an awesome platform, you know. Mm. It's a it's a place for like for me, obsessed with the sport. As any any Spiro who's listening, when you first start spearfishing, it is it's not a sport; it's an addiction. Hundred um, percent, absolutely. Um, and so for, for me, when I started this, it was my whole life was spearfishing. Um, Facebook 
I decided to, yeah, you know, I started up this page just to try and bring Sparrows together. I wanted to learn more about spearfishing in different parts of the country and I wanted to learn and all that sort of carry on. And the page is founded and then that's and that's what we've got. We've got a really diverse community, but unfortunately it's um it, it, it's a, a part of it uh included a few people um and a few a few groups that found it really easy just to, if anybody stood out more than the others or yeah, exactly anything that's worth celebrating. Um, yes, people were hacked down. So I've had a lot of exposure to that and it's something that, yeah, yeah, it's something that I really wish we could quash. Yeah, you can't though. Like, and I mean, part of it is a free speech thing, which seems to be more and more of an anti-New Zealand value these days. Like, I don't want to get too political, but far out, you're not even allowed to talk in New Zealand if you've got alternative views. But um, yeah. but your guys' group, the New Zealand Facebook community on Facebook, is is a bloody awesome place, mate. You, you, you deal with the same dickheads that we all do, but you guys have largely created and propagated a culture that's pretty cool, pretty supportive um, generally. There's always trolls, and sometimes I enjoy the old trolls, um, but you've also got a bunch of, like, great leaders and, and cool people, you know, like, Guys like Blair Herbert that, you know, continually educate in a real subtle way about sustainability, not without bashing people over the head about it. They just do it in a really cool way that makes people learn for themselves, you know. And I see that happening on your guys' community. So I don't, I don't see it all as negative. Sometimes when it's your own baby too, like, you, you, you know, you, you're the most critical of it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just going through the years, just thinking back, just relating it back to the tall poppy, tall poppy thing, man. Mm. Like, with different groups, like, it's good now. It's been, it's great. It's uh, it managed to weed out a few of the people who, um, you know, sort of bringing that negative energy. But it is a really good platform now for for people to come through and learn. And we do have the legends of the sport, um, you know, the likes of Pat Swanson and Blair Herbert, um, and a lot of these really experienced guys coming through and being able to interact and communicate with these guys who are coming into a sport that is exploding. We're getting so many new people who are coming into it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been good working with Blair. He's he's an admin on there with me. Um, and just trying to help. Like, well, we've bounced off each other, made some rules on the page where um, to try and help sort of mitigate the the, the slaughter, so to say. Yeah, normally, yeah. Well, I remember that. With spearfishing, when, when you first start spearfishing, man, you're just like, sweet. I'm gonna just shoot everything that I can. I'm yeah. gonna shoot the butterfish is is the fish that we start off with really here in New Zealand. And uh but but and and, and as a the natural sort of evolution of a sparrow is you start off by shooting heaps of stuff and then you realize that dealing with filleting 20 fish at the end of a big day spearfishing sucks. And the, the general evolution is you phase out and you end up shooting less as you go. Um so we've sort of made a rule on the page that we're just Try and educate people. Be like, "Hey guys, we don't really want to see any death piles on the page." Mm, I remember. If you if you if you guys want, to, you guys can shoot whatever you want, but you know, like, try and pick up a couple of your favorite fish, take a photo, share the story. Um, we want that, and hopefully, that'll sort of ch- change the mindset of people initially, um, which might leave a few more fish in the water. And I think, yeah, it's always going to be a good thing when uh, we have a sport, especially here in New Zealand, where it's just absolutely blowing up. Yeah. Yeah, this is a problem too when a larger proportion of the population goes spearfishing. And like when I started the News Story podcast, a lot of experienced guys said to me like, oh, what are you doing? You know, like you're, you know, you're helping a lot of more people access spearfishing. And that means there's going to be more sparrows in the water, so less fish, you know. And and I, I, I see their point, but I think like if people go through that ethical journey faster, 
you know, and they learn faster and they don't have to do the same things we did, like where they just kill a, you know, like in America and Florida particularly, they call it a dock of death photo, you know, like where <laughs> these guys elaborately lay out like, you know, you know, three days worth of fish that four guys have been shooting nonstop. There's a hundred fish on the dock and they've laid, laid, laid them all out in the sun and uh, and then they take this photo and plaster it on social media and that's attached to spearfishing. We had this conversation on the podcast too, so I, I, I relate to what you're saying. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely right, absolutely right. It also shows a bit more respect for the fish and stuff as well, but um, but yeah, anyway, all, all in all, man, we've got a work, work, working community here and it's been... um. Yeah, it's been awesome having having all these legends of the sport coming through, and I've learned so much from from being on board on that. And um, yeah, I went to your Instagram profile, and uh, you were talking about my amazing uh, research, the Nardwa fellow that he's has inspired me. Apparently, um, I saw EDH, and I I don't think that means epidural hematoma or elder dragon highlander from the Elder Scrolls. So, what does EDH mean, bro? You know, you're actually spot on, bro. That's exactly what it means. What? <laughs> All those fancy words that you said before. <laughs> what does it mean? Come on. No, no, no. That's 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 my partner, my partner, Emma Daisy Hunt. Ah. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, my partner here has been I've she's moved me down to a city called Christchurch, which is probably the toughest place to get into decent diving mm. around is in Christchurch. So I'm not actually doing a lot down here, but um but when it is good it's it's good. But no no she's she's fantastic man. I've got a beautiful girl and she's uh I've been trying to get her into the spear fishing which is great. A little bit of the hunting as well. Her last name is Hunt. So. I saw that. I was just gonna make a joke. Like you guys could start your own company, Wild Hunt or Hunt Wild. Like yeah. you've got it going on there. Far out. <laughs> no, yeah. It's been good man. She's been living up to the last name man. She's been picking my ass on a few on a few missions. It's been it's primo. So sharing to spearing and hunting, like because you do a lot of um, above ground hunting too, like you're in your bows and rifle hunting as well. Yeah, yeah, not so much the bow hunting. I'm bloody hopeless at that, but you know, definitely been a um, yeah, super lucky here with everything that's sort of big and fluffy and delicious is uh, is an introduced pest species. So we've got good access to good hunting around here. But I'm um, slowly getting her into the spear fishing. It right. hasn't helped that you're in Christchurch. Well, yeah, there's that, but. Like South Sea Spiro, just some of the missions that we've been on, and I've come back and I've shown her some of the footage that I'm. Oh, the great whites and the makos and swimming with great whites and yeah, <laughs> feeding stingrays with her hands and all that sort of stuff and yeah, she has made her think she she just doesn't trust me. Like if I say that it's all good, you know, there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, um, you know, she's thinking she understands that your risk tolerance is at like. 155% and hers is at two because she's brand new. Exactly. She's yeah, sitting yeah. there thinking bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. seen you swim with great whites and you think that that's all good. Oh, nah, nah, yeah. nah. So we're, we're warming into it. She shot a butterfish. She's grabbed some some power, which are abalone over here, which mm-hmm. is um, which is cool. And and it, it's, it's awesome being fully invested in the journey of someone entering the water for the first time, seeing yeah. that sort of that, that first initial fear and, and every step that she takes is just, is, is a giant one. You mm-hmm. know? It, yeah. Um, it's, and it's, it's awesome to be a part of like the first dive took her out and might've been quite dirty water. might've been a bit of surge, but I just didn't think anything of it. And then, you know, there's big bull kelp, which is this apparently really scary seaweed. Anyway, 
she lasted about 10 minutes before she was freaking out and jumping on my back thinking that every bit of seaweed coming out of the murk was going to get her um to the point where she's i had her floating around out off a pin uh, <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere and we had schools of kingies and stuff coming past and yeah and she was getting into it dropping down on top of the pin. Oh, beautiful eight meters or something like that you know but it's um it's pretty cool just being along for that full journey that's yeah, super so. cool and you're talking about like um you know like what you got on social media to show your family like, i i noticed further down like you know, you got a cousin, young cousin Jack Trot. You got out for a bit of a dive with him. He's getting into the lobbies as well. Have you seen many of your family sort of take up the reins and jump into it? Get get obsessed? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Got my little yeah, little cousin Jack. Uh, yeah, my uncle. My uncle he does it as well. Um, he was there when I shot my first my first kingy. Um, Dad's done a little bit of it, but um, a lot of the family are actually surfers, so they've always tried to stay away from the flat stuff, and we've always been chasing the swell, which I've always tried to avoid. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's been good. It's been good. My little cousin Jack, he's a uh, yeah, little weapon man. He's it's from the South Island. Doesn't do a lot of spearing, but just seeing him get keen and jumping in, shooting his first John Dory. He's she she's shot a um, shot a kingy, a couple of kingies already. You know, oh, nice um, stuff like that. It's uh, it's cool, man. But I was just thinking back, like, man, when I first got into it, it took me so long, like years and years and yeah. years. Yeah, to find, take off some of these species. And yeah, my little cousin's been kicking my ass. It didn't take him long at all. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Jack. Awesome. Um, mate, great whites in the water. Like, you've got a photo on your Instagram. It's pinned up the top. There's two great whites sort of passing each other in opposite directions. I've never been in the water with them. What's different about them? Oh, man. Such a unique experience. Like there's just not much out there that can just create that cocktail of emotion that you feel when you when you're in the water with them. We've got a, I think we've got a slightly different mindset over here in New Zealand on on grey whites, just because we don't really have that sort of negative human interaction that's that's found in other places like Aussie. Um, but man, it's epic, like. Far out, man. I just it's if I could do it every day of the week, I would, man. If you could yeah. bottle, if you could put if you could put that feeling in a pill, man, you'd make your millions. hundred percent. hundred percent. The first time I swam with them, um, it was a real it was a pretty controlled environment, I think. Like we knew it was there and we'd basically just sit there and we'd watched it for a little bit. Actually, I'll go back a little bit. I'll go back a little bit. Earlier in the day, we'd been for a was we parked up at the spot when we were going to go for a dive, um, right on the change of light. And then we'd seen this thing sort of heading around the boat and we had a look down and just sort of make out just this giant great white that had swum underneath the boat. <laughs> um, but it was the first one I'd ever seen. And that was, insane. it would have been huge. It would have been a big female, just nuts. Like Dave sitting there with a the camera like, I can't see it, I can't see it. And then he moved his head out to the side of his camera away from his viewfinder and you realise the reason why he couldn't see it is because the back of the shark was taking up the whole frame. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, whoa. Um, and that was it was early in the day. We never we never saw it in the water or anything like that. I put my head over the side without my goggles and I had a look. We the side without my mask and I had a look and I could mm. see this blurry mess, which was beautiful, swimming away. Um, but, yeah, anyway, in the afternoon, we'd done a bit of spearfishing and um, in the afternoon we'd, the tide had picked up, we'd swum back to the boat. And we jumped up on the boat and we had the float sitting at the back with a couple of fish on it. Anyway, a young great white had come charging in and um, 
just went nuts on these fish, just like attacked with circled the float, came through, hit the float as we were pulling it in. It just had like a butterfish and a terrakee or something on it. And then but then it got angry and it just had like shoulders out, fin out of the water, tail splashing on the surface, and it just swam straight at the boat. And yeah. like, had to go with the fish, swam straight at the boat, trying to get these fish, and then swam into the outboard of this big splash. And we were all just sat there and stunned like <laughs> holy shit. That was nuts. Um and we moved down the coast slightly for obvious reasons. And then another shark had ended up turning up and uh yeah, just just cruising, man. Doing laps around the boat. And I one of my goals, as, as an underwater cameraman, as an, as an underwater enthusiast, and maybe a bit of a dumbass, I've always wanted to to get in the water with with a, with a white. Um, yeah. And the boys are all quite experienced, and I figured that everything was like was chill enough. So I was just doing circles of the boat, jumped in as it was sort of coming up to the side, like it was sort of like I don't know to the side of the boat and I'd slip in at the back and sort of swim along with it and we'd just do a big sort of loop out and around and sort of shadow it a little bit and we'd come back and turn and when it got towards the back of the boat, it would turn around and swim straight straight back of the boat. And that's when I'd sort of backpedal a little bit and then <laughs> jump out and then it would move back out to the side again and start its loop again and I'd, sl- I'd slip back in. Um, and that was incredible, man. Damn, Six, seven, eight times. Um, did you get yeah, some people, good footage? You got some good stuff, man. You got some good stuff. Not as good as what as what it should have been. I didn't spend a lot of time because the monitor of my camera is quite small. Yeah. And you've kind of got to be quite focused on on what you're looking at in the camera. But I just didn't want to take my eyes off the shark, man. It was it was it was amazing, but there was definitely a real element of of fear there. Yeah. Um, so what did you have your EV out or your your white balance out or something? No, 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 no. Everything was there. It's just like the framing wasn't quite right. Oh, sometimes. yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. You know, I might have just been sitting a little bit too low on the shot. And um, it was, the tide was absolutely hissing, man. It was it was really, really strong current. Um, so just all just, yeah, I got, I got what I got. And it was, yeah, it was, it was good enough. Cool. This podcast is brought to you by aqualite.com.au. This is the best solution bar none for staying hydrated in the ocean. If you're a Spiro, it's an absolute no-brainer. It's a game changer. If you're doing extended trips and the cramp starts to set in and uh, the old body's telling you, hey, that's enough, just get hydrated and it will save you a whole heap of woe. It's a groundbreaking product that can help you to stay hydrated. It's got low sugar. It's less acidic than other options on the market. It's rapid absorption, help you to maintain performance. Dehydration of just one to 2% can affect your mental and physical performance by up to six or 7%. And as when you're spearfishing, you can tell when dehydration is starting to affect you because the equalization goes out the window. Get Aqualite at aqualite.com.au. It's scientific rehydration that Spiros know and trust. I know because one works there and that's why we've set up this discount code for you, 10% off when you use the code NoobSpiro at aqualite.com.au. Check it out. Australian-made hydration products tailored for Spiros and a whole bunch of other people that suffer from dehydration too. But check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code NoobSpiro to save 10%. Are you in the market for a new spear gun? Killshot Spear Guns has got blue water wahoo tuner guns, open track spear guns, Enclosed tracks, spear guns, rear handle enclosed tracks. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com. 
even better, I've got some good news for you. You can save $30 on any Killshot Spear Gun at killshotspearguns.com. Use the code NOOB. If you're in store, just say, Crikey, mate, or say Shrek from the Noob Spear I sent you, and you'll save $30. Ed Martin at killshotspearguns.com. Check him out. Old Man Blue, spearfishing gear made to last. Go to Old Man Blue Dive on Instagram or oldmanblue.com.au and check out some gear made to last. oldmanblue.com.au And then you've had more. You've had more experiences. Like I believe filming South Sea Sparrows, you spent a bit of time with a, with a bigger shark or bigger sharks. Well, no, that was... No, that that was with South Seas. So that experience was that was all with the South Seas boys. Okay, I've been since I got lucky enough to, to have the opportunity to do some Shark Week filming. Yeah, um, and that was that was that was awesome. It was a very different experience um, being in a cage, but just sort of spending a really good sustained, got um, a good sustained amount of time in the water with them, and also but knowing you're in a safe environment was really cool. You, you can push quite far out of the cage. You know, you have your whole half of your body sitting out of the gap of the cage and they'll just sort of cruise past in front of you and push the camera in their face and seeing the interaction of the sharks and also having the ability to to, to see, to get a bit closer to some of these bigger fish as well. Mm-hmm. Amazing, man. A lot of Sparrows are anti-cage anti diving. Um, have you had these big discussions about it? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely sort of frowned upon um, here in New Zealand a bit, in a way. Um, like I know the diving community around Stewart Island, which is where that operation is is, is based, it doesn't sit well with the commercial divers mm. um, for obvious reasons. But at the same time, some of the argument is that there are incredibly intelligent fish. I've got a mate of mine who's down there commercial spearfishing at the moment. Um, and he's he's seeing heaps of these fish, but there's been no no aggressive interactions or anything like that. And we also need to keep in mind that um, the, the fishing community, because they're worried about the association yeah. of, a, of a reward with people and and, and, and mainly with a boat. Mm. Um, but at the same time, we've had codding for generations around going on around the island, chucking over cod guts and all that sort of carry on. Um, but yeah, so you definitely see both sides of the argument. But I mean, personally, for me, um, there's been so many man hours down there in Stewart Island. There's been no attacks or anything um, in recent years on the diving community, really anywhere in New Zealand, mm. from a uh, on on divers or spiros. Mm. Um, where is it? I, I, this this is down in Stewart Island. So yeah. This is the bottom. So this is the, the bottom island at the bottom of the South Island. Um, but it's it's. <laughs> Having the opportunity to go and see these animals, yeah, and and uh, up up close and personal, and potentially having the ability to change people's perceptions of these of these fish, they are beautiful. We do want to see them in the water, and we do what we even we are, we do want to try and break down that stigma of of fear on these sharks, because as we know that um, with a little bit more understanding of these of these fish, there may be a little bit more encouragement to keep a few more you know keep a few mm. more of them in the water. You know, sharks getting a lot of fishing pressure at the moment. Um. And uh, yeah, it has its place in Australia. There's 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 a, a heated conversation about it. We have a we have a number of issues. So we've had a great white um, like eat uh, an ocean swimmer alive, 
Like, and it wasn't a mistaken identity or all that bullshit. Like, it, it came in and it smashed this guy as he's swimming. He's probably only like 50 meters off the rocks, swimming out open ocean. And it's absolutely smashed him. And then the guy's still alive, I believe, and struggling. And the sharks come back in and finish the job. Proper ate him alive. Left like a small part of his torso and part of his arm and ate the rest of him. Like, proper ate this guy alive. Like, so, like, some of the stuff you hear, like, oh, it's just a mistaken identity. There's, they don't like eating us. There's, you know, it was kind of a little bit dispelled. Not, not that it's a common behavior, but it does happen. And then in South Australia, like, a number of Spiros have been attacked over the years, and WA as well. Bull sharks seem to be a problem here too. And then we have the shark, um, like, the lines that are out to, you know, catch these guys in, in, in nets and stuff and uh, and a lot of spirits hate it and rightfully so and then some people are just kind of like, well, what value do you put on human life? And it's a massive, massive shit fight. I know in New Zealand there's a lot of like Riley Elliott's done a lot to sort of sway um, people's perception towards preserving sharks and stuff, but it is a big conversation. Yeah, it is a big one. It is a big one. It's, it's, it's I'm, I'm very on the fence. Well, not, not on the fence. I've, I've got a foot. Um, on both sides of the line mm. in regards to that. I've got a uh, – when I went to university, which is when I first started spearfishing in Wellington, I studied marine biology just so I mm. could work with – align my work with with the ocean. Um, and just sort of having that sort of scientific understanding of, of, of these fish, but also at the same time being in that community that could be impacted um, – if the, if, if the population were to, you know, explode or if, if there was going to be an interaction. Um, yeah, it's a hard one. I think yeah. over, over here in New Zealand, we don't have the population. We don't have the population of people on the water. The same, same as Australia. You guys have got a lot of people on your coastlines there. Um, at the same time, the sharks that are here are feeding on different things. We've also potentially wore different water temperatures on where, on where we are. Stewart Island gets pretty bloody cold in the middle of winter. Well, not in the middle of winter, even, even during the season that they are here. So whether they... Um, they're very well fed when they're here, or maybe when they are here, they're not here to potentially feed. Maybe it's more of a breeding thing. Maybe the water temperature slows down their metabolism so much that they don't need to eat as much. They're not as voracious. Yeah. Uh, and also, you've also got to think about the changes in um, what's going on with your fisheries over there. Maybe they something's going on and maybe they are having to come in closer. I did hear a theory that based on um, – so the, the humpback whale migration, yeah, it yep. took a real hammering back in the day, and they're still starting to crawl back up, and they're doing really well now to almost not quite natural populations, but the population is exploding. And during their migrations, with a smaller population sitting a little bit further offshore, it's just a, it's imagine a smaller channel, a smaller stream of humpbacks migrating, but now that it's so big, that range is they're migrating a lot closer to shore potentially. Yeah, you know that the sharks do have that migration as a part of their sort of – as a part of their life cycle. In terms yeah. Of they follow the whales. They eat the afterbirth. They, follow, they eat the, the sick and the dead um, the dead whales, and that's a part of their – I like how you're not overly simplistic with any of this shit, Sam. Like you see the the nuance and the, and the, the rich context and multiple contributing factors to this conversation, and I think that's um, not – done enough like i don't think people want to talk about all of the factors enough we want to have these overly simply heuristics that either sharks are sharks and who gives a shit about them let's kill them or 
Sharks are these wonderful animals that we must appreciate and fuck humans, we shouldn't be there anyway. And it's like, you know, between those two ideas, there's a whole lot more going on, people. Like, and I, I just wish we'd have the, the conversation a bit more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. If it gets to the point, man, where they are a problem, yeah, we're gonna have to do. We're gonna have to do something about it. But with those humpback whales, their migration is a hell of a lot closer to shore. That's mm-hmm. bringing the sharks into where everybody's cruising and swimming around. I went out to Byron, um, where that Gold Coast with with the family, and oh, man, I was blown away. Yeah. Humpback whales jumping everywhere. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, ah, it's it's it primo, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of different factors that need to be thought about, but. I know that a few areas down here are starting to see a lot more. We're starting to see heaps more yeah. great whites, and that's a recent thing. So that we're talking over the last sort of five or six years. So I think that's the change in our commercial fishing practice as well um, in terms of cameras on commercial vessels. They are an endangered species. Um, but uh, I think oh, we've also changed um, legislation on shark finning as well in terms of um, – Is there – is there a commercial shark fishery in New Zealand still? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. But the whole animal has to be utilised now. Can't just – if you're going to take anything, you're going to, you're going to have to trunk the animal out. Fins can be exported if a whole carcass is taken out. Yeah. But great whites are fully protected. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But I think it was a bit, bit easier for – if they've accidentally killed a shark to cut the line or, or whatever, you know. There was no real effort to put them back alive. And, um, so what, now you have um, camera surveillance – 24-7 on commercial vessels. Yeah, well, that, that's going through at the moment. We're, we're getting okay. camera, cameras on vessels. So if there are any incidents or anything like that, I don't know how it's going to work. That's a lot of man hours, man, just yeah. checking out and, and, and observing that footage. So I don't know how they're going to operate. I guess if it's CCTV and you have it there as a historic record, even if yep. it can be analysed at a later date, like it's still providing a layer of accountability that wasn't there before. Absolutely. I'm just, I'm just trying yeah. to think. No one likes being filmed all day while they're working, doing anything, you know, like. So, I mean, you'd have to have strict things. Like, I, I'm really anti-Big Brother shit too. Like, I love people being able to make decisions for themselves and having freedom to do so. And fishing's like a wild thing too, you know. Like, I wouldn't want to be filmed all day. It'll feel like I'm, I was under a microscope. But I don't know. I can sort of, I can sort of see that discussion happening as well. Yeah, yeah. We, we, need, to, we need to take a hard line. On our commercial, on the commercial fleet, uh, we've got the QMS, the quota management system here, um, which all in all is a relatively successful commercial fishing method. Um, sorry, it's a, a commercial commercial model um, that we follow, and we're, we're so lucky here, man. I don't think people realise how lucky we are. There's, uh, there's all the stories of the golden the golden day back in the age, how it used to be, rah rah rah. But we can still go out there and catch a world class feed. Relatively easily, um, we're seeing an explosion in the likes of um, our kingies, our yellowtail kingfish. They're starting to turn up in places that they've never been, and that's you know down in Stewart Island and Fiordland, wow. um, all the way down to the depths. Typically, we're seen as like a warm sort of North Island, yeah. North fish, you know. When I was first out of spearing, I just want to get to the North Island and shoot myself, <laughs> shoot myself a kingie. But now, man, like you can like in Nelson, there's heaps of kingies there. Um, yeah, we've seen some some beautiful fish uh, down in um, down in like Stewart Island and mm. and Fiordland and, and and the likes. But um, yeah, we we also need to realise that compare ourselves to other countries. New Zealand's fishery is is definitely room for improvement, mm. and there definitely are some species that weren't managed properly. 
Um, and it's a shame that you sort of have to have that trial and error to 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 get up to standard. But we're we're doing okay. As long as we're okay. learning and moving forward, I think it's a good thing. I love that feeling underwater when you pull the trigger and you know exactly where that shaft is going. You want something dependable. You want to put that fish that you've been chasing for a lifetime in the boat, in the cooler, in the esky, in the chilli bin if you're in New Zealand. Why do we call all these things different names? Anyway, today's show sponsor, KillshotSpearGuns.com, make awesome wooden timber spear guns, a fantastic shooting platform. If you've ever shot a big timber gun, you know the, the reliability that you get from these things. Uh, he mostly makes enclosed track spear guns. Visit him at KillshotSpearGuns.com. Use the code NOOB to save $30 on any Killshot spear gun. Hey guys, not sure how you stay hydrated out on the boats on those long days out on the water, uh, but staying hydrated is absolutely critical to good equalization and looking after your body, making sure you're not doing those awkward one-legged kicks to the surface when, when one leg cramps out on you. Go to aqualite.com.au and get yourself a box of sachets. You just simply add them to water. It's less than $1.28 per serve. It's cheaper and cheaper and healthier than any other sports drinks on the market. Aqualite will make a difference in your spearfishing. Check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code NoobSparrow to save 10% on any order. Check it out. Aqualite, made in Western Australia. Got a sweet deal for you today, guys. Go to freedivingfamily.com and learn from Adam Stern and a select team of experts on different disciplines. There's Frenzel, Advanced Frenzel and Hands-Free Equalization, Mouthful, Deep Frenzel Equalization, Bifinning Essentials. These are courses that will give you the 1% that will allow you to improve. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. Again, that's the code SPIRO to get 20% off at freedivingfamily.com. Thanks, Adam and team. Love it. We're delving into polit- political and controversial topics a lot, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Let's bring it right back down to our spearing level. Um, what's one of the most captivating times or experiences you've had in the ocean? Oh man, I couldn't put it down to one. Can you think couldn't of a, Can you think of a, like a fish or a stork that you did that just really stands out to you? Like, it doesn't have to be even an amazing fish, just like in a just an amazing hunt. Um, probably my first shark encounter. Um, Diving off the Omaha coast um, from the South Island, done the trip up, um, and I found put down a, a little bit of a burley off the front edge of this rock, um, and I'd gone down to check the burley, and it just been completely shifted out to a different spot. So I did a deeper drop out to the side, and did a bit of a sort of stalk up over to try and find this burley. And sure enough, out the back there was a really nice, nice snapper, which always gave me a stiffy. Being a South Island man, just gets me so excited. Um, So I was lined up on that, and I was yet to ever see a shark, a proper shark in the water. Um, And as I was pushing out to line up on the snapper, just this bronzy just came cruising out from the side here that I'd and I'd never seen one. I was like, oh shit, (laughs) that's what a bronzy looks like. Snapper shark, snapper shark, snapper shark. I'm not passing up on that snapper. Let's just pull the trigger and see what happens. Shot this fish and this. Bronzy comes out, swims up over my head and managed to land this eight and a half kilo snapper. So, oh, wow. Just, just the, the, the first one that sort of sticks to my mind is, is definitely that one, just sort of having that sort of excitement level. There's that cocktail of emotion of the excitement of seeing this awesome snapper, um, as well as seeing the shark all in, all in the same breath. Um, yeah, yeah that, was, that was pretty cool, man. That was pretty cool. But 
you've been lucky enough to see some wicked stuff with 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 the boys and with the show. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. We'll talk about a couple more. I think one thing like with spearing is like, you know, you do a freediving course and it's all about relaxation and getting zen. And then spearfishing, you you need to do that too, but then you get on the bottom and you got the excitement of the hunt. And it's just like, you know, no wonder no one's got beyond a 30-second breath of when they start. You know, like, it's just, it's hard, you know, trying to contain it and and, um, and shoot that fish for a lifetime. You know, whatever that fish is for you, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah, definitely, definitely. As you get on, it almost helps having having that reward dangled in front of you, you know, like you do those breath holds where you, and there's not much happening, you know, um, and you end up coming up a little bit earlier than say you see that fish hanging out the back and you just forget about the contractions in your throat and all that sort of <laughs> and the need to breathe or the fact that you've got a 20, 30 metre swim back up to the surface no matter what happens. Yeah. Talk about yeah. safety then since we're – We've uh, we've delved into it. Might as well just keep going with controversy and then back to fun again. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you started it. You mentioned contractions <laughs> Sorry, of being on the bottom. No, no, no. It's all good. It's just like I feel like if we touch on it, we've got to cover off um, what we preach and then what we do to minimise risk. Yeah, yeah. Um, the best thing is for me anyway. I've been real lucky. A lot of my diving has been with really experienced guys. Um, the Dwayne Herberts and your Julian Hansfords, we've got Karen, we've got Tim Barnett. Um, you got some some wicked dudes who we, we filmed this show with, and they've all been through the bullshit, man. And lucky I started diving with them when I was a little bit younger, and they've done all the cowboy shit. They've learned their lessons and they've put in together some really good practices to mitigate all of that. And I've been exposed to all of that for a lot of my diving, which is which has been great. Um, we haven't had any issues on the show. All of these boys have they've had their blackouts and plenty of funky chickens and rescuing mates and losing mates and all that sort of carry on. And it's been a, a good environment to be around. So it's, for me, it's been implemented off the bat. Um, but yeah, just a good buddy system, not pushing your limits, understanding your buddy's limits um, and having good thing, your things set in, set in play um, just in case something does go wrong. We've got good stuff on the boat. Um, I love the locks of oxygen. A, a proper dedicated um, first aid kit that covers all sorts of situations, including a tourniquet and understanding and learning how to use all of that. We're heading to Minerva Reef and uh, we're, we're waiting for some nice weather in, in May. And so we're all learning up on um, what's a, what could go wrong with a shark bite because it's a really notoriously sharky spot. Um, and But yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, cool. That's good. I. Yeah, like I think experience does shape so much of, of our safety. So like it's it's just worth touching on. We've all been in that situation where you're on the bottom and you're getting discomfortable or uncomfortable, sorry, and then, you know, you, you know, you, but you just want that extra bit of hunt time. And like a lot of guys, older Spiros will say, don't do a freediving course because, you know, you learn the skills to drive a Ferrari, but that's not really what we do spearfishing. We drive a Toyota Corolla around the streets and we've got a 50 kilometer speed limit, you know, and here you are, you've been out to a racetrack and you've driven it at 280 kilometers an hour. And we don't really need you to do that. We just need you to, you know, stop at the stop sign, use the giveaway, you know, like the crude analogy, but you know, it is kind of it. Like we're just going to dive all day long, 
generally, like every dive, we're never approaching anywhere near our actual actual capabilities, and that's why we were able to do it all day. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's bang on. That's a, yeah, that's a good analogy. That's correct. Yeah, no, that's um, yeah, no, that's, that's that's dead right. That's dead right. That's sort of the fundamentals of. I do recommend doing some sort of course. I think there's a paddy course that's run over here that's that's um really well, um really well received and just sort of getting that base understanding of the physiology of diving, what your body's actually going through in the water and um, and all that sort of carrying is definitely good to take with you, but nothing really beats firsthand experience. What's the species you've geeked out on, like a lot? I've geeked out on like my, like my favorite. Yeah, yeah or you've yeah, like hunting, and maybe you've got into learning all about them as well, and their their breeding ha- mm-hmm. habits, feeding habits, and so on. Um, nothing in particular, but I mean, I'm, you've got to say like the stock standard, just dog tooth tuna are just one of those fish that just get me so barred <laughs> up. Holy. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been awesome heading over to the islands and 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 sort of having those heartbreak moments and um and and, and chasing those things around man like just if i could go spearfishing tomorrow or just just try and target one species for the rest of my life it'll be it'll be doggies you know incredibly humbling but um but it's been awesome going out and filming some of these different species and sort of you know trying to get some information to communicate on on some of the shows that we film um and learning a little bit more about them just like how the likes of mahi mahi how that is one of the Fastest growing fish in the ocean, reaching sexual maturity in just over it's just over a year. Um, really, really fast growing. Um, same with the striped marlin. We mm. have a little striped marlin over here. Uh, yeah, it's one of those. Man, people just do not like seeing bullfish. Yeah, being, being speared. And if we get any sort of controversy or any negative comments, which we don't often really get uh, um, on some of the stuff that we put out, most of the stuff that we Hear negative stuff on is 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 Yeah, I think you know, like we've got a trigger fish in the ocean. Um, all billfish should sit under a new pseudonym called triggered fish because they just trigger a lot of people <laughs> on social media. And uh, yeah, man, it's crazy. I watched a video from a Kiwi dude recently. He was uh, a deep line fisherman. I can't remember who it was. Actually, I listened to his podcast about it. And they were hooking these things, and normally that's catch and release, which, I mean, we could have discussion about that as well. But, you know, just watching them process one of these fish was pretty phenomenal. You know, how much how much of it they can use as well. And they are super fast growing. I mean, there's places where you have these huge aggregations for spawning and feeding, and um, they're such a cool fish underwater. You've done some amazing filming with the stripies in particular, haven't you? Yeah, that was, in terms of a highlight in the water, swimming around with Strike Marlin is, is is definitely up there, but yeah, it, it triggered fish, man. Far out, that is, that is spot on. But a lot of it comes down to just satisfying human emotion. We think they're pretty. Don't kill them because they look pretty. But at the same time, it's no different to shooting a, 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 a butterfish. You was something that you use for burly. You know, you're taking the life of another fish. And hey, man, there's every chance that that fish that you've just shot is older than striped marlin again they are a really incredibly fast growing species um i can't comment on the other marlin species we get blues blacks and striped marlin here in new zealand striped marlin are by far the most um the most the most common species but blues and blacks i don't actually know if any have been oh no there's been one black that i know of that's been spared in new zealand no blues but um but yeah incredibly sustainable species to harvest we 
we get plenty of them. Um, uh, it's really ethical in terms of they do reach sexual maturity quite early on. They do contribute to future populations after a couple of years. So it's, it's a good species to target. They just look pretty. Yeah, they're up there with the red mochi in terms of how much feedback you get. <laughs> but like when you look at a, a red mochi, like, um, and this is something a lot of like new sparrows will make mistakes with in New Zealand. They're incredibly slow growing. They have one patch of reef. They take a long time to reach sexual maturity. A big fish is a really old fish, unlike a swordfish, which is really big, really relatively young, and um, and 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 they have a far broader range too. So. Um, yeah, it's a yeah true pelagic species, so it's cool. Yeah, red bogey. Let's not get into them. We <laughs> <laughs> anyway, bro. We've touched enough hot button issues oh, today. Yeah, Equalising problems can be something that derail you. Not today, my friend. Go to freedivingfamily.com. Check out the either the Friends or Advanced Friends or video or the Mouthful and Deep Friends or Equalisation course at freedivingfamily.com. You can use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. These courses are put together by Adam Stern and a select team of, of, of legends and to help you overcome different issues and help you perform better. And some of them are extremely relevant for freedive sparing. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. If your buddy had a blackout on your next spearfishing trip, think, what would the outcome of that be? Do you know how to revive someone from a blackout? Would you even be in a position to do something about it? Or would you be diving, chasing after a fish as your buddy sinks down to the bottom of the ocean? Do you know where most blackouts happen? Do you know what you can do to minimize your risk of having a blackout? My name is Ted Hardy, and I'm the founder of freedivingsafety.com. In my free online course, you will learn the truth about shallow water blackout, the myth of, I don't push myself, I know my limits, I'm in tune with my body how to minimize your risk of having a blackout, and most importantly, how to save your buddy's life if they have one. Visit freedivingsafety.com to sign up for your free course today. Dive safe out there. It's just not even that hard. Great news for the people that are not a fan of the tax man. The men in grey suits, the nasty buggers that like to sometimes show up and try and ruin our fun spearfishing life. Ocean Guardian have got some great things for us. They have got the Freedom 7 and the Scuba 7, which also come with a discount when you use the code NoobSpiro. Visit noobspiro.com forward slash OG, and that will take you to Ocean Guardian's site. Check out some of their stuff. They have got the best stuff on the market, bar none. It's powered by Shark Shield technology, the world's most effective electrical shark deterrence. They're scientifically proven and tested, backed by multiple published research papers, tested and approved by governments all over the world. They continue to innovate in this space and the Freedom 7 could be perfect for your spearfishing life. Get 10% off when you use the code NoobSparrow on the Freedom 7. Just head to noobsparrow.com forward slash OG. Check it out now. Tell me about a time where you've just had the absolute shit scared out of you. And then tell me about a time, an awkward aquabog if you can. <laughs> <laughs> Go either or first, by the way, but that is yeah, no, 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 two no. of my favorite <laughs> things. Both both questions feature the word poo, so I, uh, I'm always having fun. Honestly, man, um, don't often don't often get. Okay, there was one time that I'd say that was I'd probably put a bit of fear at me, um, and that was out in a place called the Wanganella Banks. So that's where we filmed some striped marlin. But my first trip out there, I was filming for a for a fishing show. Um, 
and it was quite early. It was before the marlin had turned up there, but there was quite a few big yellowfin. I mean, ended up catching these big yellowfin and as the underwater camera, and I jumped in to get some footage. But the skipper of the boat wanted to put the angler. It was a a, a chick who um called Nikki who has a has a show out here, and she was she was the skipper wanted to put her through her paces, so he kept the hammer down on this bloody boat. You know, I got this sort of glimpse of this fish as it skyrocketed past me. It's this big, beautiful yellowfin tuna, and then it just kept on going. Put my head up out of the water, and the boat just kept on going and going and going until it was bloody tiny, and they. And they managed to obviously just follow the GPS line back. But so for, for those who don't know where the Wanganella Banks um, is located. 50 nautical miles off uh, no. Cape Ranga, isn't it? No, no, it's, it's 48 hours steam from, further. from New Zealand. So we're actually closer to Australia's EEZ wow. than, we are, than we are New Zealand. So we, we were international waters. We were two days away from, from land. Um very spooky spot to think you're being almost left behind because it's just a little white. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've got a little bright orange mustache, but it might be, but <laughs> might, might have a little bit, of, little bit of visibility. But just this, hopefully, I was just wondering if I could find this little head floating around. But do you ever carry was, one of those little like safety sausages somewhere in your wetsuit, wetsuit so you can because they, they're tiny and then they unroll and they'll stick up like two meters and they're bright orange. Yeah, we should. We should. If we're in a situation where that something like that could potentially happen, mm. uh, we definitely will. But we're, we're normally pretty hands-on. We're going to be filming from a boat, which needs to be close to the action of the divers. Um, we generally don't have two groups that would split up too far. Yeah. If we're doing any dangerous diving, if we're not swimming around an island or swimming around some coast. Um, so we, we in, a, in a situation, like when we go to the Three Kings, we'll quite often do that because there's big tides. and. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there with your buddies too, and that, and that Nat actually shared a little a little bit. I was I dive with Nat and Rochelle. Oh, cool! Oh, yeah, yeah me, me, yeah. me. Well, you know what it's like. Yeah, you? I know what it's exactly what it's like. It's it's bloody intimidating, and uh, it's like a Jurassic Park. Scare. Yeah. Yeah. Scary spots. Or, yeah, scary spot to dive in. Just in terms of, you're never quite sure what's going to pop up. Yeah, we've cool. some crazy stuff out there, man. Yeah. Deep sea, like an or- have you, you know what an oarfish is? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, they're huge things, aren't they? Um, yeah, they I want to pull up a picture. Refresh my memory. And the other thing, you you guys caught a a, a spawning of those tiny things, the Nautilus. Nautilus yeah, yeah, I remember that, that too. Oh, that looking at an or- or- the oarfish looks more like a bloody eel. But with a with like um like almost like rooster fish um things thrown off it, like yeah, I reckon you know how the old sailors on those old sort of nautical charts they have like the the diagrams of like sea serpents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You never know something like that. they could have originated from something like that. They can get up over four, five, six meters long, like huge. You see these old photos of ones that are washed up, and there's eight grown men. Holding this thing up, yeah. When we found, we found one of those, and that's a really that's a, that's a deep sea species. Um, and we, yeah, like you were saying, that paper nautilus spawning event that was, yeah, incredible. that was crazy. I remember that. And you guys got a like a mint, like the footage yeah. you guys got, it was so insane. The poor bloody thing. So, like a paper nautilus is it's a type, it's an argonaut. So, you imagine your, your tropical nautilus 
similar in, in, in shape, but it's made out of like a paper thin shell. They're really, really hard to find because as soon as they touch rocks, they smash the bits um, and they live down deep. And um, just to put it into context, National Geographic, I think it was National Geographic got in touch and they've been trying to find individual an individual Nautilus to, to, to film for a project for, for years. Oh, wow. We somehow managed to stumble across a, a spawning event. And they were just getting hammered by everything, man. Yeah, big, I remember that big, too. Big kingies, when they get smashed to bits, all the small fish would hook into them. But um, yeah, so they're all females. I think on the inside of the shell, they were laid with lines of eggs. Yep. And I almost reckon, because it's, it's, it's like an argonaut, it's like a species of octopus. Mm. So they're not actually connected to the shell, that they would line these eggs on the insides of their shells and then they would ditch the shells. And it basically creates an environment that protects the eggs, protects the juvenile straight off the bat. Um, and, you know, and if they're in a, uh, the right the right place, then, you know, they may not necessarily have to sacrifice themselves, but they definitely were. We also, <laughs> one of our boys ended up grabbing a couple and took them home for a feed as well, which didn't help. But um, <laughs> they delicious. It's our mate, it's Dre. He's, he's, he's from Tonga and he's, he's an absolute legend of a man, but he's just known for eating absolutely everything. <laughs> Yeah, cool. That's super cool. What an experience. Like, I always think of South Sea Sparrows almost as like the meat eater of, you know, what meat eaters done for, you know, terrestrial-based land hunting. I think South Sea Sparrows could have the same or similar impact with regards to spearfishing. I know that there's, there's so much bullshit with distribution and stuff across international lines. Have you guys managed to, to, to get your stuff out and distribute it everywhere in the world now or...? Nah, man, we're trying. Oh, we're trying. It's so hard to get it overseas. I think we've got it in Switzerland, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> how, do, think, how do people get it now? How, do, how are they getting it? Can they, do they just go to your website and, and pay for it there? Is that the only way to get it if you're international? At, at, at the moment, man, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're, we're coming into filming our fourth season, so we're, we're into four years of, of filming now. Mm. And we were, we've been trying to – I've got Aussies screaming out. Yeah, hundred percent on sick. socials, and we're trying so hard to get it there. Um, so the only ways that I know at the moment is we only have our first season on on the website. Yeah, I think Apes chuck that up, so you can you can purchase the the the, the season there. Yeah, um, but that only gives you season one. Yeah, either that. I'm not sure if I'm there to say this. Yeah, or you just get oh. a VP. You don't no, have, we just, oh just, VPN, yeah, just, yeah. Just get a VPN and then jump on a TVNZ on demand, and then you can and then you can watch everything. Yeah, but that's real, the other way. It's real easy to get on, um, yeah, to 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 get it off the website. Season one, and they've got some wicked stuff in there, man. That's where we went to the Wong and Ellers, and uh, we spared a couple of world record marlin. Um, one of the boys, Nat, yeah, you know, yeah. Nat shot that um that marlin with a pole spear, yeah, ninety something kilo, and then Rochelle beat the world record and. Yeah, uh, she got a hundred and something kilo fish. Um, I almost got speared by one. Yeah, to the charger. Yeah, because yeah. oh, Rochelle jumped in. I'm not going to spoil too much, but bugger it. And Rochelle jumped <laughs> in, and it was just chaos, man. It was just this wicked meatball. Oh, oh, oh. So the, the story goes: so we went to the Wanganellas, and it took us two days to get there. Mm. We and when we put lures in, we were, we were towing plastic to start with um, teasers just to help find some fish. We saw two marlin. As soon as we put them in, and we're like, wicked, we're at the Wanganellas, it's on. 
that's all we saw. Oh, but, oh man! Till from like six o'clock in the morning till about three o'clock in the afternoon, we were bummed out. We thought we'd come all this way, and we we're going to come out with nothing. Um, just had that feel about it, and so we sort of changed tactic. And um, it wasn't so about three three o'clock, three thirty in the afternoon. We found some fish. Nat shot his his um, stripey on a on a pole spear, which was amazing. I was fast asleep then. <laughs> it's just going it's just woke up to chaos and I've fallen asleep in all my gear so I literally sort of was walking waking up lifted my mask up just saw Nat throw himself over the side I was like fuck fins on grabbed my camera threw myself over the side hit the water woke up and uh and Marlon having a feed Nat shot his fish wicked um and then we found some more fish after that and we got Chuck Rochelle in, but it was a couple of marlin feeding on a bait ball and it was just chaos. And unfortunately the shot missed, but it was also one of the best things that could have ever happened to me. Like far out, man. Like I was just like, I'm staying in here. I'll see you later. Rochelle had to go back to the boat to reload her gun properly. It was quite a hard gun to load. Yeah. Um, so that it would count for the world record. She had to go through the motions and she couldn't do that in the water. So I stayed with this bait ball and it was phenomenal man there's just this bait ball with probably about 30 marlin all hanging around it and if i sat back at the right distance to carry on feeding and these marlin would just cruise and then just see one just go boof and it would just light up with its stripes and just <laughs> dash, dash through this bait ball slashing at it and then just boof and then it would cruise again but there was this one marlin that came through on the opposite side of the bait ball and it did exactly that and it charged through and it came up and it threw the bait ball and up and right out of the water and then it landed with me on the other side and landed like right in front of me, super wide angle lens. It was probably oh, about, a, about a meter away, just sort of skimmed off down to the side. Um, Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely sort of made me back off a little bit, but pretty incredible experience. I wonder what their caloric output is, like when they're in that feeding frenzy and they're lighting up, because it must have a significant biological cost. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, their energy output to to change colours and light up like that. It's like a – they're like a frigging light bulb. I, I, I'd imagine they're pretty efficient, like, but with their own – you know, but it's just amazing, like, what they can do. They're pretty successful at what they do, man. Like, like it's not like there was a big ball of fish and they were like, we need to smash this until it goes. I'm competing for every single fish with all of these guys. It was like a slow-moving armada sort of shadowing. Yeah. This, this bait ball and then you get two or three that would come through quite excited and be very success, successful in, in, in taking a fish out of there um, and then they go back to go back to cruising so I think just with the, the the location and just how just the ecosystem out there is just phenomenal yeah. so the Wampanoags is I think it's part of the Kermadec rise yeah righto yeah big, big geological rise that rises up it brings all this beautiful cold nutrient rich water up to the photic zone with some basically up to the light yep and it kicks off in the, the, the ecosystem in an amazing way and we were looking on the sounder man there was just bait stacked up off the bottom that was just crazy 60 70 80 meters high of just solid with bait holy so shit I, yeah man so these i think these marlin would just they'd just go down and they'd sort of work away break off a chunk of that bring them up to the surface and and and, and oh, have a good feed. wow that's super yeah, cool. yeah. So they're, they're they're very lucky where they are. Um, they they're not there all the time, but yeah. <laughs> Thank God we found them. That was primo. Mate, that's crazy. Our internet just blinked oh, there. Oh, internet just 
blink there for a second, but um, that's pretty cool. What about a poo story, bro? I mean, the old classic aqua poos, man, they're always a bit bloody stressful. You, you guys, like I've seen those South Sea Sparrow boys pull a couple of gags on you. One of them from memory was you had to hitch back to see your missus on the weekend. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching this and these these fuckers G'd up one of their brothers or uncles or some shit and he 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 come and um, picked you up hitchhiking back to see your missus for the weekend and, uh, and then he's just basically pretended to be a nutter and driven you out into the middle of nowhere and then kicked you out of the car. Bang on, bro. Bang yeah. on. It was just like some local joker. I said to the boys, bro, I've been with you guys for eight days. Bugger you. I'm going to go hitchhike and catch up with the missus. And they're like, bullshit. No, you're not. As soon as I said bullshit, I was like, fuck, now I have to. You know, yeah, long story short, when I was out on the road, um, they'd organised one of their mates to come pick me up. Bob. Was it Bob? Acid Bob, <laughs> Acid Bob, that's what I called him after this encounter, Acid Bob. Little did I know that these boys had gone and, and rigged up some cameras in the car. They jumped in the, in the tray of this dude's truck. Mm. And I went through the motions. It was a, an emotional roller coaster, man. I was sitting there on the side of the road all stoked, like, yep, going to go catch up with them more. <laughs> Wicked. And then my phone died, and then it got dark, and then I realized it wasn't going to happen, so I started walking home, and then I'm all bummed out, and then this car pulls up. Where are you going? Christchurch. Wicked. I'm sky high again and then started driving me down to Christchurch. <laughs> Pulls off there, off the motorway down the sketchy ass side road. Takes me out of the middle of nowhere and then he's like, you know what, Sam? Yeah, you have to get out now. I was like, oh, you're, really, you're really pissing me off. <laughs> and, um, I'm serious. You talk too much. <laughs> uh. I was like, oh, I don't have to talk. Can you at least take me back to the motorway? And he's like, no. Please. All right, can you promise me not to talk? I'd prefer it. I'd prefer it. And I asked him if I could drive for him, and he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to lie, Sam. I'm on some shit right now. And I'm like, oh, bloody hell, here we go. Gets me back off to the motorway. Eventually, jump in. I was like, sweet ass, mate. You sure you're good to drive? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. I was like, you're taking an acid tab or something. And he's like, yeah, nah, not quite sure what I'm on. Sorry, mate. I'll see you later. <laughs> no idea. No idea how I'm going to get back. And anyway, sure enough, he turns around, comes at me and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm either going to get run over or I'm going to have to have a rumble with the, some 60 year old man who's on drugs. <laughs> and all the boys pop out with cameras and shit. And they're all, fuck. It's on the South Sea Sparrow Facebook page, man. Oh, it's, man. It's, it's a good gag, and I'll take my hat off to the boys. It was a hell of a stitch up. They nailed it. They nailed it. It was so good. He he stayed in character pretty well too. Like oh. he did amazing. He did so good, man. Yeah. Apparently, they tried to convince him to like start stroking the inside of my leg. <laughs> Be like. <laughs> I can get you to cross you, Sam, but we're gonna. <laughs> oh, mate, you, you know you got against it in case I decided to punch him and then run off with a dead phone and then we'd have a bloody real situation on our hands. But uh, you know, you that's got... a... heads off to you, mate. Good you know, work. You know, you got good mates when they set you up for a gag like that. Far out. We'll get him back one day. Back to Dogtooth Tuna just for a sec. Do you know Jamie Rives? Uh, deeply immersed on Instagram. Do you follow him? I think I've seen his stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I had him on the show, man. He's amazing. I'd hur- I'd thoroughly recommend you guys hook up with that dude. Eh? Like he, he's got, 
he's um he's spent a long time studying them and he's got a great working knowledge of it. I mean, even if people just want to learn about it, follow that guy on Instagram. He he writes these huge friggin' things about their behavior and the systems he works and stuff like that. He's a really intriguing guy. Um super interesting and um absolutely loves it. Guiding people. Yeah, I I thoroughly recommend. That might be a cool South Sea Spiros episode. I'll come. I'll come by the way. I'll volunteer. Sounds good, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that, that sounds primo, man. I'm like, always, always keen to learn. It's been working hanging out with some of these more experienced boys and seeing, like, picking up on some of their behaviors and some of their hunting techniques mm-hmm. um, while being in the water. But I mean, I'm far, far from being anywhere near knowledgeable enough to to know an awful lot on on, on doggies. But I've been lucky enough to shoot a couple. Um, and yeah, just a really obsessive sort of fish. You know, they are just incredible. So I'm always keen to spend time in the water with with anybody who Mate, knows this. I'd love to shoot one myself. I, I I don't know if I'm a good enough diver. A lot of people talk about deep diving all the time. Ocean Guardian and Noob Spiro have partnered up to bring you a 10% discount on the Freedom 7 or Scuba 7. These are shark deterrent devices brought to you by powerful shark shield technology the world's most effective electrical shark deterrent scientifically proven and tested backed by governments research and multiple independent bodies this this is some of the best tech on the market they continue to innovate and inspire they've been doing this for more than 20 years check it out noobspiro.com forward slash og that's noobspiro.com forward slash og when you get to ocean guardian check out the freedom 7 or scuba 7 if you want to purchase Use the code NoobSpiro to save yourself 10% on your Shark Shield device. The Freedom 7, 10% off. Go to noobspiro.com forward slash OG. Freediving for spearfishers at howtofreedive.com will help you to extend your breath hold, understand your body better, and put you in a better position when you actually get to go out spearfishing. This program is not for noobs, as this program is for people who have some diving under their belts and understand some basic spearfishing safety, but... It's perfect for Spiros who want a guided, easy to follow and complete program with videos, a clear process and a set goal. The 5 minute freediver works. Get started for free and see if it's for you at howtofreedive.com. There's a tester there. Use the code NOOBSPIRO, N-O-O-B-S-P-E-A-R-O to save some money if you do decide to purchase. Check it out at howtofreedive.com. Freediving for spearfishers, a fantastic way to prepare, especially if you've got a big trip coming up. Get to that five minute mark and it does translate to your diving at howtofreedive.com. I wanted to talk about mahi spearfishing. I see you're a founder. You guys have designed some cool floats. Um, and we're talking about dog tooth now. Like a couple of those look perfect for that sort of job. Walk us through, um, you know, mahi spearfishing, what you guys are about. Yeah, man. So that's just a, a little passion project put together by myself and, and my dad. We got locked down together and sort of put our heads together and worked on something that I've been wanting to to sort of put together for, for a long time. Um and uh, he's he designs and manufactures paddle boards. My dad, ah. um, yeah, hard boards and inflatables, and so essentially just sort of with the same materials and sort of like similar technology going into in, into one of these high pressure floats. Um, we managed to make something up, and and it's been great, man. And that's exactly that's what it was. It was a passion project that's been put together. Um, it's been brought to life, and uh, yeah, made these floats for basically just a something for me to use on, on, on my missions and I don't want to be, I want it to be able to pick up on everything that I want to shoot from Marlin to bluefin tuna to, um, to dog tooth tuna. 
mm-hmm. as well as um yeah got a couple of different sizes and uh and yeah man it's been it's been cool it's been cool there and um, a lot of stores nationwide now here in New Zealand working on trying to get some stuff overseas and it's been it's been wicked seeing like going out for a dive and seeing a mahi float sort of cruising by or some of the mahi float it's uh bro I gotta get you I gotta get your floats into Adreno. Oh mate, say the word, bro. Yeah, I'll say do. I'll do, I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to try and do it. I didn't realize it was you and your dad. Um, and your dad's obviously got the technical knowledge. You've got the spearfishing um, in water sort of stuff, and then together you guys will be able to work out a a pretty good iterative um, process, I guess, for developing your products. That's cool, man. Yeah, it's been good, man. It's been good, and passed them off to the likes of Matt Davy and yeah. um, some of these guys on the show, um, Julian and, and and Dwayne, and start getting input. Like, oh no, that's that's shit. That's not. I like this. Yeah. It's, 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 it's been good. It's been good. Spiros are hard to market to sometimes with some stuff. Um, New Zealand's, despite tall poppy syndrome, or maybe in spite of it, um, Kiwi ingenuity is a thing. Like, and it's been around for a long time. Like, in New Zealand, like, despite spearfishing being a relatively tiny sport in a relatively tiny country, there's an amazing ecosystem of creatives in the spearfishing world there. Like, there's so many different gun manufacturers, retailers, and people making cool shit. Like, um, and you're just another one of them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, man. I guess. Yeah, it's, um, you know, you, and you're absolutely right. There are some really creative, um, innovative divers here in New Zealand. You know, you're, you're Darren Shields and all that sort of care. And I think you've, uh, your mates with Duncan Henderson. Yeah, yeah. He's, I I use a roller he built for me all the time, and I've got a thirteen hundred dollar um, timber spear gun right next to it, and they're both nice to shoot. But the roller's my go-to. You know, like just a meter roller. I love it. It's good for shooting everything. I shot a fifteen kilo Spanish with it the other day, and that's my go-to. Man, man, man. I've, I've actually just before literally the reason why I was busy before this podcast is yeah. actually. Packaging up a couple of guns to to, to send to him. He, um, nice. Yeah. So we yeah, we're heading to this to to Minerva Reef. Um, and uh, yeah, I need some. I need an upgrade on the guns. So is he going to build you an inverted or a double? What are you doing? Oh, I've got a, a one ten and a one two five. So I want a double roll of the one two five. Um, in case anything big swims past. Apparently, there's some yellowfin and stuff out there. Um, and, and some and some decent wahoo, maybe doggies. And just a, a single roller for the 110. Um, chuck a reel on that, take it out on the reef, and it'll be it's a perfect size sort of gun, I think, for, for everything that New Zealand sort of sort of throws at you. You know, 100, a 100 roller or a 110 roller would tick most of the boxes. So, yeah, yeah. oh mate, so nice with the carbon barrel. This gun's just weighs nothing, tracks beautifully, and shoots everything. Great range. I, I can honestly not fault this gun he built for me. Oh, apart from the actually the shooting line retainer is on the wrong side of the spear gun, so I go to load it and I'm always pulling the shooting line back down the wrong side of the gun, and then I've got a, you know, it's just. But anyway, um, I, I'm trying to convince. I've got to try and convince him to bloody start making them all the time. But um, he's into his engineering game now, so he's a harder and harder man to pin down. He does some good stuff. Yeah. Creative too. I think he did a he did a bit of work on a mate's gun, and he turned the trigger. Into a nicely curved cock, <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't tell him that's what he'd done. Said, <laughs> little penis, this penis trigger. Oh, that's fantastic! Love that. Thoughtful. Yeah, yeah. What a thoughtful yeah. gift. 
with social media, Sam, we're just coming back, circling back to that. We started off the conversation talking about it. But you're a pretty popular bloke. The more and more content you create, more and more people want to connect with you. How do you manage to, you know, still be yourself and be cool and outgoing and stuff, but be healthy and have a balance in life? Because, like, I look at Daniel Mann's videos on YouTube and, you know, like, he'll have, like, two or three hundred comments for a video he releases. I'm like, how do you... And then he, he talks back to all the people and I'm just like, bro, how do you... How do you have the bandwidth to do that? And and my question to you is kind of the same. Like you're another dude who's a super cool guy making super cool shit. How do you sort of manage that side of things? Well, firstly, <laughs> cheers, man. I mean, even to be mentioned in the same sentences as Daniel Mann's a hell of a compliment. He's a hell of a bloke, hell of a diver. Puts out some amazing content. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that now it, it sort of needs to be managed in the sense that like, like beforehand I tried to do what, what Daniel does and I tried to reply to absolutely everything. But um, I've sort of had to back off and sort of tone back on that just because I can't, I can't let it sort of interfere with anything sort of real life behind the scenes, like with my partner or, or with, you know family and stuff like that. As soon as it starts to affect that or I'm spending too much time that's when I know that um, you know, I just have to sort of step things back a little bit. Mm. So I, I try my hardest to get back to as 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 much as I can, but I definitely do sort of mitigate things. But there's no real plan with the social media. It's all just um, just all keep it organic, man. If people want to follow along, it's that's this is what I do. This is this is this is me, and it's been it's been wicked. I've got a some really cool, I've met some really cool people along the way, you know, like you, like yourself, man, you know, been in touch over the socials for, for a few years now and mm-hmm. you know, made some really good mates and it's, um, yeah, it's been a cool journey. Awesome, bro. Yeah, burnout's a thing. And like I always, I talk to guys like you and I just, I realise probably when it starts to really struggle on your bandwidth, like, and I, I could see that happening to you. So that's kind of why I, why I was asking. Um, having said that, where can people come and connect with you when they want to? You're Sam in the wild on Instagram, all one word with an underscore at the end, awkwardly. Yes. Yeah, I think someone else had taken the the, the proper name, so I've got oh, a little underscore. No. No, oh. I know. But yeah, man. So just I'll chuck some stuff up on up on Instagram and um the Facebook page with with the same name. Um haven't really dived into the world of TikTok as of yet. Me either. Oh man, I just I just, I, I just know that I'll end up just coming to life two hours later after spending two hours scrolling on TikTok. So yeah. I'm trying to, trying to back off on that until until I desperately have to. But, yeah, pretty much Instagram and Facebook. Um, I'm going to try and start putting some stuff up on YouTube soon. Mm. Uh, again, I used to do a lot of that back in the day, but um, with uh, with some of the this other filming that's been going on, it's taken the shine off editing. But I'm, I'm, I've made a, an active goal this year to, to start putting some more stuff together. So mm. Cool. Well, it's awesome to get you on the podcast, man, finally. I mean, and I hope we can chat more if you've got exciting stuff coming up. So Mahi uh, Spearfishing, I really want to encourage people to go and check out this line of floats you've got. Um, Check it out at Mahi, M-A-H-I underscore Spearfishing NZ. These guys have got, Sam and his dad have got uh, three fantastic looking floats there, particularly if you're starting to muck around in that blue water game. And the pricing's like pretty Decent as well, looking at the quality of the items. So definitely encourage people to do that. Where else, uh, what else are you working on, Sam? What's coming up for you? What are, the, what are you excited about? So you talked about that that trip where you're waiting for a weather window. What else you got coming up? Oh, man. Yeah, just we'll, we'll, we'll 
we've finished. So the three seasons under the belt with South Seas, we only have two episodes um, that we have filmed for the new season. So we have at least half a dozen, which could end up being another 10 trips throughout the year. Um, so I'm always, I always love those trips, man. Like all of these guys, it's pretty much just the boys trip. These guys are my mates. Yeah. We give each other shit. We have a lot of fun. So always look forward to them. Um, heading over to Europe to go visit some family. Of course, that'll be fantastic. And I think we are coming over to Aussie um, in July, hopefully to come and dive the reef um, out there. So no, we've got some cool stuff coming up, man. And I'm really looking forward to it. Make sure when you reconnect with your nudist roots, you do that in Europe and not in Australia, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate. Hey, mate. I'll be, I'll be stripping off an Aussie. Don't be <laughs> oh, that's good, bro. It's awesome, awesome, Sam. Great chat with you, bro. And uh, thanks for giving us some of your time, man. Hey, super stoked to finally catch up, man. Yeah, really enjoyed being here. Cheers, man. Hey guys, I hope you really enjoyed listening to Sam. Uh, such a cool dude, really great vibe. It really gets the spearfishing lifestyle. And uh, as I mentioned, an avid hunter above and below the water. Um, jump on social media and please follow him. Uh, he's got a, a huge amount of followers already. But uh, Sam in the wild underscore on Instagram, super cool guy, um, doing awesome things. And his photography and the way he goes about um, doing things is just very cool, very cool. And it's... Uh, um, uh, He's just a le- another legend Kiwi uh, and uh, just great guy to have around the traps in our community. So, hey, as mentioned before the show, if you would love to become a patron supporter of the show, you can do it on an episode by episode basis for as little as two bucks an episode. Go to patreon.com forward slash noobspiro. Join 45 other legends putting fuel in the noobspiro outboard and keeping this sucker going. Um, also, there's the competition to win some noobspiro merch. Get yourself a signed copy of 99 Spiro Recipes and a T-shirt of your choice. Um, simply tag noobspiro on Instagram with you in your bit of Noob Spiro kit, whether you've got a Spiro Dad shirt or a Jobfish Tribute shirt or a Rancid Pelican or whatever you've got, a Noob Spiro hat, some stickers, uh, even the thongs. There's Noob Spiro thongs, everyone. Go to noobspiro.com, up into the store, check out our match. And um, if you tag us on Instagram, go into the draw this April and May to win yourself some more. All good, my friends. Thanks for listening so much to the New Spirit Podcast. Your support means everything. Uh, come back in two weeks. I've got a couple of legends joining me. It's Trevor Kitchen, James Sacker. We talk about ChatGPT. And I asked ChatGPT what its 10 top ethical concerns are with spearfishing. And then we kind of go through the list and have a bit of a chat about whether uh, whether it's a legit concern or not. And um, the boys, as usual, are pretty funny. So come back in two weeks and uh, I'll see you then. All good, my friends. Catch up. Danny says, Adreno, you guys are ahead of the game. Price is very competitive. Customer service is fantastic. Speed of delivery from your warehouse is the best I've ever experienced. And everything I have purchased was in stock. Great experience. Highly recommend these guys for anything to do with what happens and what you need to get under the water. That review from Danny. Check him out at adreno.com.au. These guys do a fantastic job outfitting Noob Spiros from all over particularly Australia, but check them out at adreno.com.au. You can save $20 on every purchase over $200. Not only can you use it online, but you can also use it in-store. They've got two stores in Brisbane. They've got Gold Coast, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth. Check them out. They are doing good things. Adreno.com.au. Absolutely mint customer service. 
Specialty spearfishing equipment, elite spear gun performance components, unforgettable reliability. You want to find out where to buy this? Punchinneptonics.com and shop at the best US spearfishing store, neptonics.com. Free shipping to the lower 48 when you spend over 199 and you can use the code NOOB10 to save 10%. This is your chance to save DOSH, buy deadly good gear and experience A-grade customer service. Will you shop at the best? Visit neptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to start shooting 35-pound muttons tomorrow. Actual performance may differ from advertisement. Please refer to terms and conditions to see if you're eligible to be a legend-like track. This advertisement was not even endorsed by Jerry and the team at Neptonics. Hoorah and God bless you.